Hello, Spotlight friends. Welcome to another episode of Ave Spotlight. This is our kickoff to our series on Catholic social teaching called Compassion in Action. We're going to be exploring Catholic social teaching and talking all about it and why it matters for our lives and why all of us should even care. So I have an amazing guest that is just one of the coolest people I know and probably, you know, top five most intelligent people I've ever met in my life, but also super down to earth. So can you can you believe that all of those things can be in one person? So I'm so happy to have Maria Benish here, Dr. Maria Benish here to share more about Catholic social teaching and why you should care and why it's applicable to your life before we dive into each teaching specifically. And I'm just really excited. She is my co-director for the Before Gethsemane Initiative. She is a friend. She is a mom, um, a wonderful woman, a great sister and a great daughter. And I'm just so happy to have her on. I know I did a little intro for you, Maria, but I'd love for you to introduce yourself again and feel free to brag because you're awesome. But uh, I'm so happy to have you with us today. It is a joy to be here. Thanks, Chanel. That was, uh, (laughs) I don't think I deserve that introduction, but wow, thank you. I guess I'll start with my most important title, which is Daughter of God. So thankful for the Trinity and constantly getting to know him better. Obviously, I'm a work in progress, as we all are, but time and prayer is my favorite. And then my other two important titles as wife and mother, my husband, Mitch, and I did actually know each other in grade school. Not very well. So but cute. <laughs> several years later. By chance, although not by chance, because as Catholics, we know we believe in divine providence, lived in the same neighborhood in the D.C. area when we were both out there and fell in love and got married. And we have three children, an 11-year-old daughter, Gemma, an eight-year-old son, Gerard, and a little baby girl, Saint in Heaven, Morgan Francis. And then my career background is kind of a mixture of two things that are kind of a unique combination. And people are kind of like, where were you going with this? And I think God had a plan all along. So I am a political scientist and been a human rights and public policy and international human rights and international law professor at the university level. And then also obviously get the privilege of co-directing the Before Get Semi Initiative for Racial Reconciliation with uh, Chanel. And then my other kind of track to my career is the ministry tract. I was a focused missionary for a couple of years. I was a high school youth minister for a couple of years. And now I get the absolute privilege, once again, of working with Chanel on the National Eucharistic Pilgrimage and bringing the Blessed Sacrament to so many people around the country, which has just been an absolute joy. And obviously thrilled to be here with Chanel, who not only is such a holy and intelligent and inspiring woman, but also just a really dear friend. Oh, man. Usually I don't get gassed up like that. So thank you so much. And I can feel the love. Uh, I can feel the love through the microphone. So I'm so happy that you're here, Maria. You're such a gift. And I'm excited for you to share just about your knowledge. I mean, being in the Catholic world, right? You're a very faithful Catholic and you have a wonderful family and you've come from a very interesting background, which like I would love to, you know, I wish we had a whole episode to just hear about like how God brought you to where you are. But just from everything that you've been through and experienced, being in the Catholic world and then being heavily involved in things that are happening in our, you know, secular society, I'm just so interested in what your thoughts are on Catholic social teaching and why, like, first, what is it? And then Second, why should any of us care? I know that a lot of Catholics will say, 
oh, I feel, you know, whether I feel politically homeless, I feel kind of, you know, socially homeless. I don't really know how to participate in society. And then there are things like, oh, well, you know, the popes have said things and the church actually has a lot of responses to things. And it's kind of hard to parse through everything. So, yeah. So what is Catholic social teaching and then why should any of us actually care about it? And how does it help us live a better life? So I guess a threefold question. Yeah, great questions and obviously a very important topic. I think, so there's seven principles to Catholic social teaching, but I think even more importantly, I want to begin with kind of the overarching idea that even before, because it's it's a way of putting our faith into action, right? But before we're ready to put our faith into action, I think always beginning and ending with prayer and our own interior lives. I know a lot of people laugh as a political scientist that I say that this, but my catchphrase is more prayer and less politics, because I think unless we're working on our interior life, first and foremost, and letting God form us, we can't figure out how to navigate our broken political system without first being formed by the one who is love, right? And so I think that's important to bring up first. And then there are these seven principles, which are a way to now that we like encounter God in our relationship through prayer and through the sacraments, through mass and confession and growing in virtue, right? Because I think humility, most of all, is a very important virtue with this, this conversation. Then we're ready to put our faith into action through these seven principles that all I think, unfortunately, in our secular world, they like to think these things are mutually exclusive. But as a Mm. Catholic, all seven of these reinforce each other and and all seven are needed. And unfortunately, because of our broken political system and the two main parties that sometimes certain political parties are better at focusing at other ones than, than the other party and vice versa, right? And I think it's important to say even third parties and independents, whether you're liberal, conservative, or something outside the box or a third party, that no politician or political party is perfect, right? We're not God. And so remembering too, to put politics in its place and not make it an idol, it's obviously very important. I wouldn't be a political scientist if I didn't think so, but putting it in its place. And so now we can just briefly go into the seven principles. And I understand that which I think is awesome that you're going to be unpacking these in more detail over the next several months as you bring in more guest speakers. So I'll just briefly bring each one up, but they're so beautiful and so important. The first one is life and dignity of the human person. And this is unfortunately under attack in our society, right? We know as Mm. Catholics that protecting life from conception to natural death is so important. Obviously abortion, huge issue and overcoming and hopefully ending the horror of this infanticide occurring in our country that not only kills babies, but hurts mothers and fathers Mm -hmm. and our whole community, right? It's one of the many sins that I think we can really talk about structures of sin and how it's affecting the the ramifications of this horrific sin are way more than just the family that's impacted. But then this also includes issues like the death penalty and remembering that no person, no matter what they've done, is outside of redemption and God's mercy. Mm. Um, also, obviously, euthanasia and loving the elderly and the sick. These are all important parts of the life and dignity of the human person. The second one is called a family, community, and participation. And obviously, we are made for community and relationship. I love the theology of the body. I think it's so brilliant that. St. John Paul II left our society with that treasure of of knowledge and discernment. And I really think that speaks to to this kind of pillar of Catholic social teaching and that 
even the way we're designed in our bodies is a call to relationship. And whether whatever our vocation in life is, whether it's a call to religious life, to priesthood, to marriage, to the single life, to consecrated lay life, that there's so many beautiful ways that we can be in community with one another. I guess I'll stop. I've, I've thrown a lot at you. Any questions about any of no. that? Oh my gosh, Maria. So Maria is a professor and you are just a professor through and through. I love your, <laughs> I love going through these and I think it's so important. And I, and I think, you know, it's an interesting point. So thank you for starting, you know, in your explanations. When a lot of people hear Catholic social teaching, they think that it only applies to our role in politics and they can get kind of turned off because they're like, you know, I'm apolitical or I just don't involve myself in those things. And that takes, you know, people's own prayer life and discernment to figure out where they belong in that sphere. But does Catholic social teaching only limit to our political involvement? And then also, you know, is there because I know there's, you know, there's a teaching on the environment and, you know, our stewardship for the environment and taking care of everything around us. So obviously that has a play with how we interact with politically, you know, in our environment and how it's taken care of. But is Catholic social teaching limited to that or is it how would you kind of, you know, respond to someone that says that? I love the Holy Spirit, Chanel, because that was a perfect question to bring up the third perfect through two of them, which is the rights and responsibilities that we all have as mm. human beings and sons and daughters of God. And it goes so much more than the political sphere, right? And I think, unfortunately, that we have kind of reduced it to just how we vote or political activism, which is, those things are very important. I don't want to downplay those things and we should be doing them if we're not, right? But that also, it's simply loving our neighbor and also the responsibilities of being a good citizen. Like you brought up one of the, the seventh one, which is got care for God's creation, right? Like we should be doing things like recycling and trying to lower a carbon footprint and picking up trash that we leave on the ground. These are all things like certain responsibilities because we know as Catholics and Christians that freedom is not just licensed to do what we want, right? It's mm. actually the freedom to do what we ought to do. And, and then this is also loving our elderly neighbor across the street that maybe doesn't have anyone to help her if she falls or taking care of the poor. Not only, I think it's real easy to reduce that to not that this isn't important, but to giving money when we have a mission Sunday for mm. like week at my cathedral, a beautiful missionary from Cameroon came and asking for funds for his mission territory there, which is awesome, but also the poor in our communities. I think it's real easy to forget that, we have poor, no matter what city or county we live in. And, and so it's those basic rights and responsibilities that we all have. And then the fourth principle, which kind of leads into what I was just talking about, the option for the poor and vulnerable. And remembering that how to take care of the marginalized in our communities. And we have so many saints that have shown us great examples of this. And remembering that like treasures on this earth aren't what matter, right? And and so for those of us that have been blessed with many treasures, like how to share those with others that maybe don't have the wealth or the opportunities or gifts that we have. And it can be time, treasure, and talent, right? There's so many ways to care for the marginalized, not just financially. In fact, I think sometimes even the other ways are more important than the financial. And then the dignity of work and rights of workers and the importance that I actually am reading this part directly from the USCCD website, that the economy mm -hmm. must serve people, 
not the other way around. And yeah, I know. Isn't that a tough one? That's a tough one. Yep. Yeah. And, and kind of an ongoing challenge to us. Right. And for those of you that are blessed to be in a position to have employees under you, like remembering that the, the beauty of like being able to work with others in the vineyard, whether or not you work for the church or in the secular world or in a secular corporation. And, and, you know, we never want to see people reduced to just objects of serving like a, it, it's they and themselves are beautiful creations, sons and daughters of God and remembering that in our employee policies. And then we, I guess the one we haven't talked about is solidarity, which obviously is one Chanel and yes. I, oh, a lot I was about, about I to say, yeah, on that one, Maria, I would love to hear what your thoughts are on. Okay. First, what teaching do you think right now broad scope, looking at society, do you think that we, obviously all of them, right? But which one are you like, man, I just really wish we had a better handle on this one because with what I'm visioning in how society is currently operating, if we had a handle on this one, I think that we could really address blank problem in a better way. Which teaching, I mean, and that's hard because they're all great, but which one do you think just off the top of your head, you're like, man, that one. This is, I'm really not trying to turn this into a trick uh, answer or response, but I go back to actually the one that I said at the very beginning that isn't one of the seven ones of like starting with prayer, because Mm. I think each of us probably are neglecting different ones. And this is where I think an examination of conscience through prayer of like, which one of these seven principles or maybe a couple do I personally need to be better about, right? And I think that's probably a different answer for each of us. But since you brought this up with talking about solidarity, I think that is a good one to start with in terms of like how that really is just getting to the heart of loving our neighbor better Mm -hmm. and finding God and the other person. And I think you can really see that and then all the other ones. But starting with prayer, I think, is how I would answer that to like discern how we personally can do better in any of these seven areas. Absolutely. And Maria, I'd love to hear a little bit about before we move to the next principle, what a little bit of your work in solidarity, like how are you working towards, you know, helping others to learn to love their neighbor? Yeah. So as Chanel alluded to at the beginning, she and I are co-directors of the Before Gethsemane Initiative, which is a fairly new Catholic nonprofit for racial reconciliation that tackles racism and xenophobia from a Catholic understanding of the inherent dignity of the human person from conception to natural death. And so one of the things Chanel and I do is help everyone, including constantly getting better at this with ourselves and within ourselves to be able to love the other person fully. And a lot of times this is really starting with teaching people how to have conversations around things like racial tension and different views about um, immigration policy and then helping dispel fears. I think a lot of times, unfortunately, racism and xenophobia come about from fear and helping people pray through that. So like our pillars are conversion and healing. And so in the pillar that I kind of head up is this call to conversion of like praying about how we all can do better in tackling racism and xenophobia within ourselves. And then Chanel, I don't know if you want to talk about your pillar of the yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, with all the challenges of 2020, it's important that people have community, right? And are able to confront 
their own experiences with racism and xenophobia in a, in a space that's conducive to healing. So really having an opportunity to have mental health resources and tips and then hopefully, you know, access to therapy that is either free or low cost. And so this would be, you know, specifically for Catholics of color that have experienced racism or xenophobia in their own lives. So then they can be on a journey to healing because they can't just be, you know, a constant outpouring resource. It's great to be poured into in a way that's beneficial, self-beneficial. So it's so wonderful. So little plug for an apostolate that is out there trying, but there are also awesome apostolates as well. Other ones um, like Eden Invitation that are doing great work, you know, for people that are in the LGBTQ community. And so it's just wonderful to see, you know, on both ends that there are people out there doing the work and, and, you know, really applying Catholic social teaching to the core of who they are and then responding to that need and getting out there and doing it. So can you roll us into the next principle, Maria? Uh, so I think we've now covered all of them. Oh, when oh my gosh. Did we? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, did we? Wow. I'm literally like, oh, I had no idea. I'm just so like immersed in everything that you're sharing. So I feel like we've been talking for an hour, but it's only been like less than 20 minutes. Yes. Yeah, so that's wonderful, Maria. I'm so thank you so much for going through these. And, you know, it's it's great talking with a friend because it makes you feel like, like I had no idea that we rolled through all of them because it went so quickly. And so if, you know, you're listening to this and you're thinking to yourself, gosh, I would love to know more in depth about, you know, this principle or this one or this one. Well, you're in luck because over the next couple months, we will be inviting other guests to come on and to speak more, you know, precisely about each principle and how it applies in different apostolates that they have in just their own personal lives as well. And so we're really blessed and excited to be able to do that. And Maria will be back on an episode about the promotion of peace and nonviolence. Something about Maria beyond the fact that she probably doesn't sleep because she has a million jobs <laughs> and, <laughs> and two kids and just like a wonderful life that she is also uh, had a concentration in conflict resolution. So she is going to come and share with us about how we can work towards resolving conflict, promoting racial or racial um, and promoting reconciliation. I work in racial reconciliation. So that just those two words always go together. So if you are excited to hear more from Maria, she will be on episode eight of this series. So thank you so much. I just oh my gosh, I wish we could just sit and talk forever. So Maria, at the end of all of our episodes, we ask each guest about something that is giving them hope or like in the future or has given them hope in the recent past. So I do want to know that, but I also want to know what inspires you about what aspect of our faith kind of it's inspires you the most right now. I think when we're talking about Catholic social teaching, I get really inspired because I think about how rich the knowledge and the wisdom of the church is. And so I know for you, you're probably like constantly intaking information and, and outputting information. So I'd love to know what inspires you about, you know, the church right now. And then what has also given you hope? It doesn't have to be within the framework of the church, but just in your life of most recent. Yeah, and if you need time to think about your answer, I can go first. Or if you're ready, you can go. I think I've got it, actually. I didn't think it would be this easy, but right away I was like, oh, yeah. Um, 
Amazing. So I would say in terms of my faith, what I'm seeing that's inspiring me right now is, you know, Chanel and I have the real immense privilege of being involved in the Eucharistic revival through our work on the National Eucharistic Pilgrimage and seeing so many local communities organically as a grassroots movement take up the Eucharistic revival and what this movement means for the church has been so beautiful and amazing. One of the things our team has talked about is that we like really want the Eucharistic pilgrimage to be a grassroots movement that's not about like Catholic influencers or celebrities, and certainly they'll mm. probably be involved, but it's much more of like the local church leading the way. And it's just been so beautiful to see that in dioceses across the United States. So that's one of the things that I think has really been inspiring in my own faith life right now. And clearly with Jesus leading the way in, in, in the Blessed Sacrament. In terms of what gives me hope, young people, and I mean that within the church, but also outside of the church, I have the immense privilege of like every once in a while, I still teach a class over at the university, usually international human rights or something like that. And as Chanel mentioned earlier, like one of the things that I, I teach in my classes often is how to have controversial conversations around kind of the hot button political topics of the day, but still being able to respect each other and be able to learn from each other, even if we walk away disagreeing. And it's really been amazing to see my students semester after semester pick up that torch and really embrace that. And so that gives me a lot of hope for healing of divisions in the future in our country. I love that. Amazing answers. Oh my gosh. I I always love asking our guests about things that give them hope because then it always ca causes me to also pause and reflect on things that I should be more grateful for. Um, so thank you for sharing. So something that has given me hope as of recent is just my really awesome friendships, including yours, which is just so beautiful. <laughs> I've been, yes, I've been just so blessed by having such great friendships of people that encourage me and laugh with me and just really keep me down to earth. And I'm just really grateful for everyone in my life. And I'm hopeful that I will continue to have a future with people that are just awesome. So Maria, I'm curious, where can we learn more about Catholic social teaching? What would you recommend? Where would you kind of point people towards? Yeah, great question. I would start with the USCCB website it has a whole entire section on the seven principles and kind of an overview. And then from there, you can actually click on each one to learn more. And then if you're really a big reader, there's the whole compendium of the Catholic social doctrine. I mean, and, and even if you don't have time to read the whole thing, the nice thing is the Vatican website has it separated by topic where you can kind of skip through to different topics. And certainly the catechism in many different places hits on, on some of these topics as well. Perfect. Thank you so much. We'll make sure to link that in our show notes so people can check that out. We will be going through each teaching throughout the next couple months. So please keep an eye out for that. It's called Compassion in Action. So we're just going to talk about how we can live Catholic social teaching in our day-to-day -day lives. So thank you, Maria, for giving us a beautiful general overview. I'm so grateful for you and for your time. And I'm looking forward to talking to you again about conflict, everyone's favorite topic. So, <laughs> so, so thank you so much for being here and I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. It's been a joy and praying for everybody. God bless. Thank you all so much for listening. And thank you so much to Maria for being our guest today. Make sure to learn more about Catholic social teaching on the USCCB website, which we will link in our show notes so you can check those out. 
This series is gonna be awesome. We have a lot of great guests on deck and I'm so excited for you all to learn more about Catholic social teaching and why it matters and how we can apply it in our own lives. And I'm learning too, so it's gonna be quite the adventure. I'm looking forward to talking with you guys soon. In the meantime, please pray for me. I'll be praying for you. God bless. This podcast is part of the Spoke Street Network. For more great podcasts, visit Spokestreet.com.